Welcome to a Lunch with Biggie, a podcast about small business and creatives sharing their stories and inspiring you. My guest today started out as a history teacher and decided to follow his passion of being a barber and bringing everyone who comes into his shop that real old Florida barber feel that is growing within Orlando. Yes, please welcome the owner and head barber at Eleanor's Barbershop, Tito Santiago. What's going on, man? Hey, how's it going? What's going on? I really appreciate you taking the time to come see me. I'm actually inside of Eleanor's Barbershop and it is amazing. We're going to talk a little bit about it. But uh, my first question usually always is, what is your go-to sandwich lunch? I am a sucker for Italian subs. Okay, good. Yeah, like you, a classic. Italian anywhere sub. in particular around here that you go and get to? Uh, Stasio's usually once a week. Oh, yeah. Every now and again, though, a good old-fashioned um, public sub will do the trick. Yes, I'm with you 100%. You can't go wrong with the Stasio's, so I absolutely love them. So tell folks a little bit about Eleanor's Barbershop. Like, if they didn't know what it was, just give people kind of like the elevator pitch on what on what exactly it is, if someone were to ask you. Eleanor's Barbershop is a full-service barbershop in Orlando, Florida, that um, any race, gender, age, sexual orientation can feel comfortable getting a full-service barber appointment. I love it. What what got you into being a barber? Is it barbering? Is that the proper terminology? What is the proper terminology of? Yeah. So barbering would be like the verb of it. Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. So what got you into barbering? So after I dropped out of college, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And uh, I was working at Publix trying to go full time. It just wasn't panning out. And after a while, I was thinking, well, this isn't working. I got to do something. I was 22, so I was like reaching this point where I'm like, well, my friends are graduating from college and like I'm still stuck at Publix. So the first thing I tried to do was I tried finding an apprenticeship with a shoe cobbler and I called like every shoe repair store in Orlando and like nobody would take one. And then I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, well, this isn't working. Um, What else could I do? And before I was a barber, I was getting my hair cut like every three weeks, every two weeks. I would shave with like an old like safety razor and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, well, I like get my hair cut. Maybe being a barber would be cool. And that was all the thought that I had. And I signed up for school like a week later. When was that? What year was that? Um, so I was 22. This is about nine years ago. Okay. I turned 31 uh, in February. So. so what is it that you love about it? About barbering? Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a lot. <laughs> um, one thing, uh, like for me, when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I was like, I didn't want to work outside because it's too hot <laughs> and I want to do something with my hands. So yeah. I was like, you know, barbering sounded cool. Like it, I liked the feeling of going to get a haircut. So I was like, maybe I would like just doing that for other people. Okay. That, that was all there was. <laughs> I will, I will say there is a, there is something special about getting a haircut. Like when you get a haircut, there's, I don't know what it is. Sometimes I feel like there's like a little transformation where you're like how you come in and then when you get off the chair and you kind of feel, I don't know, it's like a new, new feeling, like a new person, uh, like almost like a, like a re, re you're resetting yourself is, is how I look at it. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. There's like old barber signs and they all say like, it pays to look well or look good, feel good. Like it, it's been a thing for a very long time that yeah. people like feel that type of like rejuvenation afterwards. And I, that, that would make total, that would make total sense. The other thing that, um, that captured my attention was I know from my research from you was you used to go as a kid, you used to go and go to a, like a hole in the wall type of barbershop with like your family, with your dad, right? Yes. Is that how, kind of how you kind of got inspired by Eleanor's like to kind of do it that way? 
No. So when like growing up, I grew up in East Orlando. Okay. And a lot of the barbershops over there were like super loud, like 12 chair, 16 chair establishments. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, but no. I, I hated it. Like yeah. I hated it as a kid. It's overwhelming. Yeah. And um, when I when I went to high school was when I went through my long hair phase and uh, I grew my hair and I started going to salons. And um, I think it was about 18, 19 when I was like, long hair is stupid. I cut my hair off and then I started going to a small barbershop in Orlando. Uh, and that was the barbershop that I was going to when I decided to uh, pursue being a barber. Yeah. And then, uh, so I know I mentioned in the intro that you originally were thinking of doing his, being a history teacher. Are you into, are you like an history buff? Are you into history? Yeah. So I went to Valencia first to get my um, associates yeah. and I did that. And then I started going to UCF and I was just studying history and uh, I realized I was a bad student. <laughs> I, I don't like doing homework. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big studier. Like I, I enjoyed like the lecture hall part of things and like talking about it. But um, when it came to like doing actual homework, I just I can't do it. Like I'm so I'm such a bad procrastinator. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it didn't work out no. very long. <laughs> hey, I totally get that. I totally get that. So the reason I asked the question about the history aspect of it is because. You, so you, one of the things that I keep reading everywhere I read, I read about was obviously the the one things that some of the things I loved, obviously the inclusive part about everyone being able to have an opportunity. But I also saw like, kind of like, um, the opportunity of getting like a real old Florida barbership, barber shop experience. So I kind of wanted to get a little bit of an idea of what your definition of that is. And then at the same time, I also think that it's kind of interesting because you're, it's like, I'm coming, like I literally, I was showing my wife a picture of your place. And the first thing she said was like, oh yeah, I could totally see this. Like as like a historically like 1940s, 1950s feel the, the, the everything. And and we'll talk a little bit more about like the, like, and I'm all about the branding and like, and the whole look of everything have you done, mm-hmm. but, and we'll talk more about that. But what, what can you tell people a little bit about what that is? Like, what is, if someone were to say, well, what's old Florida barbershop experience? Like, what would you call that? Or how would you explain that? Um, it's hard to explain unless you grew up in Florida. Like I've lived in Florida since I was two years old. And so when I talk to people who grew up here, like they, they're pretty quick to pick up on it. Um, but like, you know, back in the day when you would go to like mom and pop shops, they would look like you know, they'd have soft pink walls or they would have like seafoam green walls. And there's just like a very like Florida aesthetic that's been gone for a while. Like I think, um, everybody moving here has kind of like changed how Florida looks and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. This just comes with the times, but, uh, I was hoping somebody would eventually make a place that looked like this. And you know, what's the phrase? Like if you wait too long, like it's never going to happen. So yeah. I was like, oh, I'll just do it myself then. Yeah. Who was, better to do it? Yeah. Like if I wanted to see it, like, you know, maybe someone else would, you know? No. And I, and I absolutely love it. Like it, it literally is, it's like, what do you call, I would, I guess I would call it flamingo pink, uh, something like that. And it's just like, it really does. It's almost like I, I, 
that's what kind of drawn me because when I walked in here, it feels like I walked into the past, which is kind of funny considering you actually were history. You wanted to do history. Yeah. So it's kind of like that whole aspect of it. Um, I also love the fact of the name of how you named it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you want to tell people how, why it's called Eleanor's barbershop? Yeah. It's my daughter's name. Yeah. Named after her. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely, it's, it's great. And I love the, 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 if you, if you've never seen it or kind of look at it and obviously we'll talk about social and you'd be able to go online and look. And obviously if you're in the Orlando area to come and, and check it out. Um, but I love it cause like the, it's everything, like it just feels very vintage in here in the sense of like everything from the outside, the, 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 the glass, you know, basically the glass is literally hand painted lettering, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. I forget, I forget who did it, uh, who did it for you, but uh, that was Jeff, uh, Sunshine St. Pete. Yes. Yeah. He he's is, awesome. And he is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and so it just looks amazing. And then like, even just the look of just seeing all the old, um, vintage style, um, you know, kind of like being in an old barbershop. And then uh, obviously what draws it all together is the chairs, um, yeah. you got 1940 chairs. Tell me mm-hmm. a little bit about how that kind of worked out and how you got them and, and, and all of that, that whole process. Yeah. So, um, way before like the shop was coming to fruition, I was, I've been collecting a lot of these things for years Okay, and just trying to find it. Cause there, there's like this weird thing where like people will buy old barber chairs to stick them in like their man cave. And then what happens is they try to restore them and they just end up ruining them or like they let, they let their grandkids play on them and it ruins them. And so I was just buying chairs because I was like, eventually I want to open a shop. Like, I don't know when that's going to happen, but I don't want these chairs to get messed up in the meantime. And uh, I had a few chairs that I was picking up, but none of them matched. And I'm, I'm real big on like things matching and yeah. like the cohesiveness of it. And um, one of my clients was or he is family friends with um, Betsy and John that own Track Shack. And they had just bought Chet Farley's like, store to them at the time. And they were trying to figure out what to do with all these things because Chet Farley has been there since the 40s. It's, it was unchanged until then. And um, so he told them, he's like, oh, well, my barber likes buying these things. I can give him your phone number. And that's how that connection happened. And uh I didn't know exactly what they had at the time. Like they're showing me pictures and there's like a ton of stuff in there. And so when I went there, all that was left was the chairs and the stations. Like other people came and bought all the little things. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Betsy's talking and she's like, Oh, you know, I've been looking up like how much these chairs are worth and all the stuff. And it was one of those things where it's like, well, they're only worth that much if they're in good working order and like they look nice and they're all super torn up. Yeah. Like, like I said, that place had been there since the forties and those chairs had been there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, we were talking about, I was like, well, what are, what are you trying to sell? Like just the chairs. And she's like, I'm trying to sell everything in here. And so I, when she said that, you know, we started talking about numbers and I was like, I have to take the stuff. Like if I don't take it, someone else is going to take it. And so we actually got the chairs and the stations at the same time. So these chairs and stations have been on mills for over 70 years. That's insane. Pretty cool to be able to say that. Yeah. But um, yeah, we, we took them all apart. Um, We got them all reupholstered. The stations had like a latex gray paint and we sanded them down and uh, stained them again. So just try to keep it all. I, it's it's amazing and you have it's three chairs so it's uh it's three chairs and one of the things some of the things i like about it is 
is uh, you kind of, it's like old school meets new school. And the reason I say that is old school inside, but in order to get in here, I would say it's kind of new school because you have to do online uh, online appointment. Yeah, uh, you have no phone. You have no phone uh, because obviously the the idea is when you come in here, you're getting a haircut, uh, and there you guys don't have time to to be answering the phone. So you would actually schedule everything on your website. Yep. Um, which I think is cool because it's kind of like you know like yeah, I'm willing to go and, and it's also all by appointment. So there's no walk in, uh, which obviously I think it, in old school ways that would be very popular because there's yeah. no other way to do it. But um, but in that aspect, I also feel like you get. Um, kind of like it kind of answers back to the idea of what you said about not having the, the extra loud noises. Yes. Um, yeah. and it's just kind of like you having a one-on-one experience with your barber, mm-hmm. um, and be able to kind of actually be able to enjoy the process. Yeah. Cause like getting a haircut is a chore. Like it's something that people just have to do or they feel that they have to do. And so, you know, it, most chores kind of suck. Like doing laundry sucks. Like, you know. Yeah all that cleaning your house sucks, but if, uh, if we can make one chore less sucky, then, you know, the, that's kind of like the goal is yeah. people should enjoy it. Um, but yeah, like going back to the phone thing, uh, I've worked in shops with phones and, you know, Friday, Saturday, that thing's buzzing and you have to constantly answer it. Most of the time it's not even a person. It's just some, you know, telemarketer. Telemarketer. Yeah. So it's like, no, like people ask us like, why don't you have a phone? It's like, because we're focusing on the haircuts and it takes away from that once you have to answer a phone every five to 10 minutes. But um, yeah, it's, that, that's like one of the points of contention that like has come up multiple times really? since being open where people are like, why don't you have a phone? Why don't you have a phone? It's like, I, I kinda, we don't want one. <laughs> I figured that when I saw it on your Instagram stories, like your highlights and also on the website. Yeah. And, uh, and I, at the same time, I'm like, no, I, I kind of appreciate that. Like, I, I think I'm, I'm, I think that's great. Uh, you know, to be able to kind of do that because you're right. There's nothing worse than you're getting a haircut and you're just hearing the, the someone picking up the phone, having to talk to someone. You're you're getting the attention, you're getting the service, you're getting that whole aspect. And I think that's mm. kind of I kind of love I love that. Um, how did you get into the Mills 50 area? Because this is obviously like I mean, this is prime real estate right here. How did yeah. how did all that come about? Like how so, did that work out? So we got pretty lucky. Um, the uh, the coffee shop next door framework. Yeah. Um, Danny was actually looking at this location and at the time there's another coffee shop where they are. Yep. And so the landlord told them, they're like, Hey, you know, unfortunately you can't open another coffee shop here because we already have one. And so he knew I was looking for a storefront as well. Cause we'd talked about it in the past and he was like, well, I have a friend that's trying to open a business. I'll pass on the information. And he told me about it on a Monday. And I signed the lease that Thursday. It was super oh, wow. fast. Yeah. Like it was one of those things that I had been looking for a storefront for a few years and everything I looked at just wasn't panning out. Like maybe it was just too much renovation that needed to be done to it or it was just too expensive or, uh, you know, just any number of things just was wrong with it. And so I was like, oh, I'll just keep waiting. I'll keep waiting. And so when I saw this place, this was perfect. Like I told him, I told Danny, I was like, if you see anything that's like, 600 square feet has big windows let me know and this is 600 square feet and it has a massive window yeah 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 Uh, (laughs) talk about putting it out into the universe yeah uh did you guys just have to do then the renovation of like just like the floors and then just repaint and then that's pretty much or so the floors were actually done when we got here okay so um the previous tenant was trying to open a barbershop 
Um, and from what I've been told, um, it was two people, like two business partners, and something was wrong with the LLC, and they just couldn't get the city paperwork to work out. Oh wow! Something of those sorts, and so they redid the floors, painted it white, and they had this. They had their like station set up in here already. And I think they were here for a few months without opening. And the landlord was like, hey, what's up? Like, yeah. what are you guys doing? Like, what's the plan? And they decided to close on the lease. And then that's when I found out about it, like shortly after. So when I got here, it was just an empty shell. And the, wall, the walls were white, but the floors were redone. Like, they had just done them. They still had, like, the paint chips, like, on the walls from when they threw them down. Yeah. Yeah, so we got really lucky with that. No, man, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. And then... So at the time you said you've been looking for a while to go to find a shop. So you were basically already chomping at the bit of like, Hey, I'm going to try to figure this out. If I don't find, what were you doing during that time while you were trying to figure out like, you know, cause, and how quickly, cause the turnaround seems pretty quick. Yeah. So like, it wasn't one of those or like, whatever you were doing, you're like, I'm just stopping. I'm going now I'm pivoting, I'm pivoting and going to what I wanted the you know, creating the barbershop or how did all that kind of go? Cause it seems like quick timing. Um, so I worked at a shop, um, for about, for about two years. Um, and it was like, like kind of like the dream location that I wanted to work at. Like when I first started, I was like, I'm gonna go to barber school and the goal is to work at, at this, this place. place. Yeah. Okay. And then I started working there and it just wasn't working out. It was just difference of personalities. And so, um, I had this epiphany of, if I wanted to be treated with some sort of respected dignity, then who else to do it than myself? And so I was looking into those, um, they're called like iStudio salons, mm -hmm. like those private yep, little yep, booths. Yep, yep. And so I rented one of those and I always said like, if I'm gonna do this, like the next thing would be to open a shop. And so I did that for about a year and I was kind of looking at it, but at the time just, it didn't make sense to do it. And um, a few of a few friends I had opened a shop and they asked me to come along and I was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of like doing pretty well for myself now. And then um, I just got bored doing the studio thing because you're in like a hundred square you. foot room. Yeah, yeah, just you in a little box. Yeah. And so I, uh, I was getting ready to get married. Um, my wife was pregnant. So I was like, okay, well, I don't want to be bored at work and then come home and you know, deal with like family stuff as well. Yeah. Like it's a different mindset when you're just bored all the time at work. Mm -hmm. So I went and worked with uh, like my two friends that opened their shop. And as soon as I got there, it was just like, okay, now I'm not in charge anymore. And they're building their shop and it, you know, good for them, but it wasn't what I wanted. And as soon as that, as soon as I realized that I was like, okay, I have to open my own shop because no one else is going to open what I want. Yeah. So, no, I, I love that because you kind of, you kind of went two different, you went the route you went, which I find very intriguing is the fact that one, you said, okay, well, I'm going to, I want to do this. And you then went to iStudio, which is a great route to go because it's kind of like small, small business kind of, you get to kind of figure it out and kind of mm -hmm. feel what you like and not do. And I could totally see that being totally, uh, cause I, I, I do know folks that own that work in those and, and mm -hmm. it's kind of like your own, your own little, little pod and that's pretty yeah. much it. So I totally get that. And then the fact that you were able to kind of then, you know, after you did it, got a taste of it and then go and kind of do that. So I, I think that's always great. Cause like when people, sometimes when they start, 
they feel like they have to go take a large bite and you can you kind of start at first small bite and then after you kind of did that then you kind of then realize like okay well and then when you you know kind of like you know hang out with do work be able to work with your friends but then at the same time say hey this is not what i want to do and i think that's great because then you once again obviously found the opportunity it came and when it came you were like okay i already know what i'm doing Mm -hmm. running the business i'm just going to be able to jump right in this this is uh that's awesome yeah Thank you. Very cool. And then the, the two people that you kind of, I know there's three of you. Um, the other two, like, how did you come about? Like, how did you oh, that like, work here? Yeah. It's just two of us right now. Oh, there's two it's of just, you. Okay. Um, Minor and I right now. Okay. Yeah. So Minor, I was cutting his hair for a few years and um, I kept making jokes about him going to barber school eventually. I was like, I can't wait for you to start barber school. Like, it's going to be so fun. And then um, it was during the pandemic, like right around the start of the pandemic, he shot me a text message he's like hey can we go get lunch i was like yeah sure and um he was like so first things first uh my wife's pregnant and secondly i want to go to barber school and um he didn't know like he didn't know how i'd respond to it i guess and so i told him i was like cool well you can start apprenticing with me as soon as you start and i don't think he um thought that was like kind of be my response yeah. yeah but it's like he's my friend so like why wouldn't i want to teach yeah. him type of deal and um yeah so he apprenticed with me for a while um right when i was opening the shop uh we had a conversation because you know it was hard for him to get started there weren't people getting haircuts at that time and that's the thing with cutting hair is the only way to get better at it is to physically Practice. do it yeah, yeah you can't you can study all you want but like you actually have to you know, do the haircut. And so he was having a hard time finding those people. So he made the decision that he wanted to go work at a chain place that, you know, had a high turnover that way he could at least just get the reps in. Mm -hmm. And then he eventually started working for us about, uh, like eight or nine months into us being open or no, sorry, like six months into us being open. He's been here for about a year now. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great, man. I think that that's awesome. What, what are some challenges that you've come across um, since being open for the last year and a half or so? All of them. <laughs> uh, so I've never been like a manager. Yeah. I've never had any sort of experience. I didn't like take courses for anything. I've, I've tried to figure all of this out on my own. Um, Baptism by fire. Yeah. And, uh, and everything like when we were getting ready to open, like two days before we were supposed to open, uh, like in the bathroom right here, there's a box to the side and we didn't know what was in there. And uh, we were getting the sink installed. So we opened the box to see if the water line was in there. And it was just like filled with like rat feces. Oh, and, like, <laughs> and like, I was like, when we were supposed to open in two days, I was like, oh man. And I couldn't like find a cleaning crew. So I was just in there with like a, face mask on just cleaning it out just stuff like that and uh learning how to like get other barbers busy like that's been pretty challenging because i've always had to worry about myself yeah Yeah. and like you know i started off with no clientele but over the years i've got i've gotten one Mm -hmm. and so you know helping someone else build up their books it's challenging it's hard to do because it's like i know how to sell myself to people but how do i sell another person that's not me yeah Uh, especially if the person doesn't like it it's it's rough it's hard to deal with but um i think we figured it out pretty well um 
we're looking for an apprentice right now. And that'll be the real test to see if I have figured it out <laughs> the second time around. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. What about the fact of, I'm always intrigued because obviously you have, like there's so many positives of what you provide, but what about the fact of like, there's other barbershops. I mean, that's always your, it's a competition always of uh -huh. like people trying to find you. How do people find you? Things like that. I can always see that being kind of like a difficult thing to do because anywhere you drive around like East Orlando or any of those areas, yeah. there's always a barbershop. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of always the, the big one I think is obviously the word of mouth obviously plays mm -hmm. a huge factor um, when it comes to, you know, when it comes to being a barber and having, because, you know, it's just like a tattoo artist, very yeah. similar. That's kind of how I look at it is like, those are people that like that work on you that are doing, uh, doing certain services on you that you want someone that knows what they're doing and what, and how they're doing it. Even though obviously hair grows back. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that because um, whenever barbers in Orlando try to talk to me, I think it's weird because when I started at, like figuring things out, I would purposefully reach out to people who didn't do the same thing as me if they were in my area or yeah. I would talk to barbershops in other cities because, you know, why would I give anybody my secrets? You know, like yeah. not trying to be that way, but I had to work hard to go find it and people just want you to give it to them through an Instagram DM. It's like, no, it's like, yeah, it's I don't a, know you. <laughs> like, why would yeah. I tell you that? It's a different thing when you build a rapport and you create it and you, um, when people come to you and you see that they're actually putting in the work and then they're yeah. asking and then you're kind of like peer to peer saying, Hey, these are the things I'm doing. And you can kind of come back and say, Hey, well, have you thought about this? But it's a little bit different when you've seen that they're going through the same trek and journey than you, other mm -hmm. than you just, I'm not going to give you the answers to my test. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I'm, I totally get that. Cause I'm, I'm yeah. one of those where I'm like, I'm willing to help you. Yeah. But if you're not, I'm not going to just give you the answer. Like you got to actually tell me like you've actually done some of the work and you're putting in the work. If you're going to ask me questions, I'll be more than happy to, but I'm just not going to just freely just give. Yeah, no, so I totally 100%. Get that. Yeah, because I've had a few people ask for advice and they're like, you know, what was your plan and all this stuff? I was like, I didn't even have one figuring it out. I was just like, you know, my thought process the whole time has been it has to work. Like I have to make this work and I just figured it out. So when people try to ask me like what my plan was, if I would like give them a cheat sheet, it's like, I, I don't have one. Like, Well, and I, and I think you did have a plan in the sense that like you had this vision of what you wanted and what you wanted to create. Cause obviously you, you were kind of like, I've already been in the industry and in my years yeah. in the industry, these are all the things that I don't like about the industry yeah. and that I don't want to have. And that, and this is what I, and if I had my way, this is what I want. So yeah. you kind of already knew like, because once again, you were in the activity. So it's kind of mm -hmm. like when someone asks something like that and you kind of be like, well, what have you done? Uh, mm -hmm. that's kind of how it was like, you've kind of, you've already worked it, you worked it and you mm -hmm. kind of understood like, this is what I built and this is what I kind of thought of the plan of how ex the execution part, obviously there's different ways on how everyone yeah. does it. So I totally, uh, I totally get that. But yeah, that I could see that being, um, the challenge of trying to do all this. Um, the positive part obviously is the fact that it is a, you know, the way I kind of look at it is it is a service. Uh, it's something that you, it's very easily for you to be able to kind of like, you know, it's great because you're able to kind of, you know, I kind of look at your, the way what you're able to do is you're able to kind of like, okay, I have a chair. So long as I have power chair and I have my electricity that I can use for my clippers and, and be able to use for my scissors, I can kind of get to work. Yeah. Um, which I think is great. The fact that you have that ability. And then also obviously, you know, I'm always kind of curious on the fact of 
when you're dealing with a lot of like the vintage or more like, you know, like the 1940s chairs, I'm assuming you've kind of now learned since you've collected them, how to repair them, how to fix them. Uh, because obviously there's got to be a lot of wear and tear as you kind of always constantly doing that. And, and I'm assuming with the collection of chairs that you have, you sometimes if need to, you can actually use and kind of, you know, inter interchangeable parts and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I've learned a few things here and there just from talking to other people. Um, Cause you know, with the power of the internet, you can find other barbershops yep. that, you know, have old chairs as well. And, yeah. you know, I'll reach out to people and ask for questions, but there's also a guy in Altamont who he's like a big, like barbershop collector of sorts. And he has way more knowledge than I do. So I'm grateful enough that I've been able to call him a few times to help oh, that's uh, awesome, man. fix things. And he also has a connection to get parts made, which is really nice. Okay. Cause you know, this company, the companies that made these chairs don't exist anymore. So that's what I, and that's what I kind of figured. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those where it's like, Hey, these are great. And the fact that you use them, but you're using them on a day to day. So there's gotta be a wear and tear on yeah. them. So that was like one of the first things when I look at, it, I was like, Oh man, I'm like, how is he handling that? Yeah. Uh, the, the chair in the front is my chair and the pump just broke. Oh, no <laughs> so we're waiting on parts for it for, uh, to get it fixed. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. What, so what advice would you give someone um, wanting to start something and maybe that they haven't, they haven't taken the chance to do it or, and it could be anything. It doesn't have to be just be a small business, but mm -hmm. what advice would you give someone? Uh, or maybe if you, you know, another way to look at it is what advice would you give, give yourself if you were starting over again and kind of like, Hey, what, what advice would I give myself now after now having gone through what my journey so far? Um, so actually about like a few months ago, we were having a talk with someone in here and he asked um, if we had any regrets about like when we started out. Yeah. And um, I actually don't have any at this point. Like I've, I've made some mistakes of course, and I've learned a lot and you know, maybe if I went back in time and could change things, I could, but I don't think I would if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I, I think all my experience in different barbershops that I've worked at helped create how Eleanor's is today by knowing what not to do or knowing what I don't want. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that people hold themselves up on is just starting. Like it's so many people get caught up in like what ifs and like money and failure. And I've, I've never done a haircut for money. You know what I mean? Like I, of course I charge for haircuts, but the goal was never to be rich. Yeah. Um, the goal is just to make enough for me to survive and, you know, enjoy myself. So I think people get caught up in, well, what if I'm too broke or what about this? What about that? And like my first few years of being a barber, I was super broke. Like I started barber school in debt from college still. And so like whenever I talk to people, especially people who want to, go to barber school, they're like, well, what about this? What about that? I'm like, you'll figure it out. Like you have to figure it out. You know, I've, I worked two jobs doing this in the beginning. So I think people just get in their own head about things and just won't start. And that's yeah. the biggest thing for me is just like, if you just start going, you'll figure it out. Like you have to figure it out. And, but if you're trying to like game plan everything beforehand, it's, you're just going to stop yourself in the water. So yeah, you might as well just jump into it and figure it out. Yeah. No, That's my thing. I absolutely love it, dude. That is like the best advice you can give. Um, what do you do for fun? Um, right now, I, I know your daughter. I know your daughter. I know your <laughs> spending time with your daughter is part of the fun part. But is there anything that you do like for yourself that's for fun or like recreation or anything like that? Yeah. Um, 
I go to the jungle around the corner. Yeah. Um, I've been doing kickboxing for about three years now. That I do that usually about three to four times a week. That's pretty fun. Uh, and it keeps me active too because I don't have the brain power to just like pick up weights and put them down and like stay motivated. I have to be doing an activity to work yeah. out. So um, that's a lot of fun. Um, I'll play video games from time to time, but I'll go through like, you know, waves of waves of it. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, I don't want to touch my computer for a month and then I'll do two months straight where I'm up to like 2 a.m. playing video games. I'm a very like obsessive person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's typically how all hobbies go is like, I'll grab something and like, that's all I want to focus Consume on for a full while. Consu- full consumption. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm just like, okay, I'm bored of this. And I'll move on to the next thing. I don't know if that's healthy or not, but <laughs> I mean, Hey, I mean, it, I don't think it's a problem as, as long as you're finding the the right outlets to do things. I was just, I'm always curious what people's activities are just because, um, we tend to, I've learned through the course of the year, the whole aspect of, I guess going, I, I started therapy when I started therapy. One of the things I started talking with my therapist was, um, just about life and just trying to do things in general. And one of the things that he brings up, uh, which I always find to be interesting is he talks about like, there's like four major areas of life that everyone needs to be in order to be successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what the first thing, usually it's, we have a lot of people have it in reverse. Um, so in his world, he always brought up at least what he kind of, when we were talking, cause I, it's like a, it's called like cognitive therapy is what it's called. Yeah. Uh, and when we go through it, he basically says like recreation is like, should be your, your number one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then socialization is number two. Usefulness is number three. Responsibility is number four. Yeah. And what tends to happen is people flip it over. Yeah. And when they flip it, you become so responsive. You don't do any, like all you're doing is work. Yeah. There and there is no recreation. And then there's no like, socialization. And then there, when it's all said and done and you're no longer working, you then have no no feeling of usefulness or anything like that. It all kind of connects. Yeah. Um, and so I'm always kind of intrigued by what you, you know, and one of the things that, and it's funny that you say that because in my conversations with him, one of the things um, he always asked me, he's like, well, what activities are you doing? And I'm, I'm a walker. Like I just go for walks. Yeah. Um, and I go for walks just because I want to get out of my own head. And mm-hmm. also my day job, it allows me to separate from my day job. It's kind of like a separation of day job. And I switch my brain to kind of go get creative. Cause in my day job, I'm not a creative person. Mm-hmm. It's very process driven. Yeah. So I kind of like the idea of crossing, you know, switching. It allows my brain to kind of go and get creative and think of ideas and things like that. Um, and then the, the physical motion of just being able to do some activity, yep. um, other than just work all the time. So, yeah, it, it's funny you say that because through barbering, like social socialization is a big part of it. Yeah. And I think when I first started, I was a very extroverted person uh-huh. and now I'm very introverted. Like really? as soon as I leave this place, like I don't want to talk to people anymore. And I'm assuming it, is it because of the fact that you're, you're not on, but you're constantly socializing for so long that it just kind of, you almost need like a, a downtime. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, cause you know, we have, I think the last I checked, we have about 400 different people that come in here in wow. a month. Wow. And that that's a lot of talking and interacting with people between two people. It's just minor and I. So yeah. by the time I leave, either I don't want to talk to people anymore, or if I do, it's like me and my friends and it's just like brain diarrhea and I'm just like being stupid. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Just like my friends and I will just say dumb stuff all the time and just yeah. like, 
okay, I can, I feel recharged again. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I totally get that. For me, it used to be, um, I used to work at, at a location. I work from home now, which is even more reason why I kind of need to walk because for me, yeah. my downtime I, and I'm a, my job is also, um, my corporate job is very social extroverted. So I'm yeah. constantly on the phone, constantly talking. Yeah. Um, so very similar in that aspect. And then when I go, when I would go home, I had a 40 minute commute and that was like my downtime where yeah. I didn't want to talk to anyone. And like people would call me and I was like, don't, don't call me. Like I just like, I would shoot a quick text. I'm driving home. Mm. Don't talk to me. Let me just down like kind of almost like the, the recharge or unwind. Yeah. Um, so I totally get that. Like mm. I could totally see where that aspect of it where is you're like, well, maybe on the weekends, like you buy that, maybe they'll need some time to kind of the, the kind yeah. of like, I guess, what is it like change course in order to go from there? Okay. Okay. Now I can socialize and hang out with my friends and yeah. do stuff like that. But I totally can see that. Yeah. I, I try to avoid like pub, like the publics over here. Cause I've gone in there and seen like 10 people that come here and then not that I don't want to see them, but and it, you, yeah. it's like, it's my day off. Like, yeah. I don't want to, like, I'll say, I have a rule with seeing people in public that I only say hi if the person says hi first. Okay. Um, just because, I don't know, I don't want to feel like, oh, you saw me a week ago getting your haircut and now I have to talk to you again. It's just like, you know, I'm just trying to go, you know, buy groceries. I'm just trying whatever. to do my thing, man. Yeah. yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah, it's almost like, it's like, yeah, it's literally like you're walking, you're walking, it's like you're, well, and in, in your case, you're like, and, and I'm, and I can understand that you're almost, you're walking, you, you are the face of Eleanor Barbershop. Mm -hmm. So obviously people want to see you and come up, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. and so what happens is like you're on, and I seen that with like some other restaurants and owners of other places. And even with me, cause I'm the face, I'm the only person on the brand. So obviously you almost always have to be on, yeah. uh, it's almost like, you know, so in that aspect, like it, that's the difficult part. Yeah. Um, do you also live in the mills, like in the mills 50 area as well? Or uh, you, I live in the milk district, so not oh, far. Yeah. No, but so yeah, the same area. Yeah. You're pretty close then. Okay, sweet. That is a, you know, that's, that, that's a very interesting just, and it's interesting to hear you say that about the whole idea of like sometimes just needing to kind of shut off or just the mere fact of with the, with, with the sheer volume of people that you talk to, I could totally see why you kind of need the, the kind of the break uh, yeah. away from, uh, away from civilization. Yeah. And I, I think like, cause we wear uniforms here. Yes. And to go with, obviously everything goes in style. It's all, it's all about the, the presentation of how you, uh, yeah. Presentation is key. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but it, one of the benefits of wearing a uniform that I didn't think of before cutting hair is when people see me in public with a hat, like a lot of people don't register. It's me. Okay. And so I could be like, Oh, I saw you at whatever. Next time I see this individual now, yeah. oh, I didn't notice you. And so yeah. like, that's, one of like the benefits of wearing a uniform that, you know, hidden benefits of it that I didn't yeah. think of before, but it, it happens where people don't recognize who I am because they, they're used to seeing me a certain way. Yeah. They're used to seeing you in your whites and your, yeah. in your, uh, your barber whites. Yeah. That's awesome. Dude, I really appreciate you, uh, you taking the time to come chat with me today. What, um, how can people tell people how people can uh, either book an appointment to get a haircut with you, um, follow you on social, give people some of the details on how they can get that. Um, so the only social media we use is Instagram. Um, so it's just at Eleanor's Barbershop uh, to book an, uh, book an appointment. You just head over to our website. It's Eleanor's Barbershop.com. 
and it's everything's on there yep. our schedule availability and all that perfect and then uh well i really appreciate it that's our show for today thank you so much to tito santiago uh for being on and having lunch with me definitely make sure to check them out if you need a haircut need a shave you know want just want to have a good experience uh i definitely recommend it i have many friends um my wife actually when she was looking she asked me she's like when are you gonna get a haircut with him and i was like uh probably soon <laughs> uh so i definitely check them out if you're in the mills 50 area and looking for a barber um definitely make sure to book online and do that at um eleanor's barbershop and uh if you if you enjoyed the show definitely make sure to subscribe tell your friends if you want to uh, support me check out my brand deli fresh threads um you can obviously shop online or obviously you know heck i don't care. Just tell people about me. Uh, I'll do, I'll take anything I can get. Uh, thank you for your time until next time. Keep eating sandwiches and follow your passion. Thank you so much guys.